Before I start with the episode, I need to tell you a couple of things. I am a little rusty, and so please have some patience with me. And second, I'm not using the same microphone, so again, cut me some slack. (laughs) Well, let's go. This is the Bald Scientist Podcast, where we talk about science, from the factual to the fictional, and sometimes a bit of both, with the good doctor, One R. Pagan. There is grandeur in this view of life, with its several powers, having been originally breathed into a few forms, or into one, and that, whilst this planet has gone cycling on according to the fixed law of gravity, from so simple a beginning, endless forms, most beautiful and most wonderful, have been and are being evolved. Charles Darwin on the Origin of Species, 1859. Hello everyone. And welcome to episode 16 of the Bald Scientist Podcast, titled Charles Darwin, blogger, podcaster, science communicator. (laughs) Happy New Year, everyone. I know it's mid-February, but episode 15 appeared on December 24th. I hope everybody out there is still safe and healthy. Things are well on my side. Uh, We're still teaching in person this semester, and so far, so good, albeit very cautious. We are also slowly but steadily doing research again, very cautiously as well. Although I have to admit that if I could walk around campus in a hazmat suit, I would do it in a split second. (laughs) The thing is that even though I'm no microbiologist, I know enough to know that even though things are undeniably better, now is not the time to lower our guard. Biology is a sneaky thing, and it takes full advantage of the evolutionary laws of nature. Speaking of which, happy Darwin Day! Today, February 12, 2022, is Charles Darwin's 213th birthday. Charles Robert Darwin is one of the most polarizing intellectuals ever. For the last 160 years or so, he's been considered evil incarnate by some and a saint by others. In my view, there's no middle ground. You either love him or hate him. Full disclosure, I happen to love his work. I am an unapologetic Darwinophile. But the truth is that Darwin was neither a demon or an angel. He was simply a product of his culture and upbringing, like we all are. Unlike many of us, though, he was able to transcend his background and the preconceptions of his time, and he went on to give us one of the most remarkable examples of quote-unquote out-of-the-box thinking that the world has ever seen. He did so by formulating one of the best argued explanations of how the remarkable diversity of life in our planet came to be. And most likely, uh, no, not most likely, surely, this applies also elsewhere in the universe. That alone would have made his contribution to science or natural history as he knew it, invaluable. 
but in addition to that, he produced a prodigious body of work of a truly interdisciplinary nature. Just to give you an example, he published 14 books, four scientific monographs, and his memories of the voyage of the Beagle. He was insanely curious. He went from geology, which happened to be his first scientific love, all the way to human behavior. He was able to, to be, I don't know, actively curious about practically everything, because in the 1800s, his time, it was still possible for a single person to truly know everything that, were, that there was to know about nature, as science understood it at the time. That is, if you had money meaning that you didn't have to work for a living. Darwin, well, had money, not only because of his family, but also by the proceeds of the products of his mind, his books. In this sense, he was also one of the first popular science writers. There's no question about it. He was popular, moreover, in two ways. He wrote science for public consumption, and he was literally popular as a writer and a public intellectual. That being said, one of the dangers of being a well-known public intellectual is that people like that are rarely adequately understood. To begin with, some people will not actually read their work and yet will pass judgment over it anyway. Also, many of those who actually read their writings may have preconceived notions and biases that do not allow them to believe uh, what they read. We know that in this society. The thing is that good, correctly done science is not a matter of opinion. Actual science is about facts and evidence. The more information, the better, as a fair amount of such information will lend itself to be weaved into a coherent point of view. And we call that a scientific theory. Unfortunately, many modern scholars are misunderstood in that way through no fault of their own. Then there's others like someone whose last name rhymes with Hawkins, <laughs> thrive in actually look for and seem to enjoy controversy and provocation, sometimes at the expense of actual science. <sighs> if only Hawkins had stuck with what he knew and truly loved, evolutionary biology. Because make no mistake, Hawkins is not an expert in all things biology either. Anyway, scientists, especially public scientists, are also prone to be misunderstood because there is another source of uncertainty that naturally appears when examining a scientific work. Namely, whatever the scientist's motivation is or was and their way of thinking. That information is rarely immediately apparent or even available. For example, as I like saying, I don't even know what I am thinking, let alone trying to divine what's on another person's mind. Let's take this to the absurd. Trying to get into the mind of a person who lived some 200 years ago, it's next to impossible, don't you think? Fortunately, we have a glimpse of what made Darwin's mind tick. In addition to his impressive scientific output measured in the aforementioned books and technical literature, Darwin also wrote prodigiously to friends, colleagues, and even complete strangers in his quest 
to get as much information as possible to test his theories. He wrote some 1,500 letters for that purpose, and also to express many of his intimate thoughts. If we think carefully about how much information Darwin got out of writing, his correspondence is remarkable, especially in the, in, sen in the sense of how much he was able to obtain in a time, especially when letters could take months to be delivered, read, and answered. You see, he relied on the postal service for that, delivered by horsepower, sometimes even real horses, and even wind power through a sailboat. Just to give you an example of how much reach that correspondence had, I actually learned of one of the very first animals on drugs, of which I talk about in Drunk Flies and Stone Dolphins, the koalas, through Darwin's correspondence. <laughs> By the way, if you are interested to know more about Darwin's literary output, there is a useful website called Darwin Online, which in addition to Darwin's work in digital form, contains translations, commentary by, by others, and many other goodies. There's also another website just on his correspondence. And I will, of course, as always, post the relevant links in the show notes. Anyway, back to the topic at hand, all the things that we've talked about Darwin sometimes make me think of him as a, of him, I should say, as a blogger, a podcaster even, and at any rate, in any case, a first-rate science communicator. I don't think there's going to be a lot of argument. Just think about how much he wrote, and again, think about the fact that in his world, Okay, he had to wait months for a response sometimes. If he were alive now, I can totally imagine him documenting, maybe tweeting, <laughs> his experiences, whatever the beagle took him. I also imagine him writing posts describing a new class of barnacle, new observations of earthworms and planarians. He actually studied planarians and descriptions on how, on how carnivorous plants captured insects. And that's just to, to begin with. I can absolutely see him again tweeting, Facebooking, <laughs> and even taking selfies with fossils and other treasures and posting all of that on social media. I also think that he would have serialized his most famous work, The Origin of Species. And by the way, it would stand to reason that if Darwin were a blogger, Alfred Russell Wallace would be one too. Maybe that fact would have changed the course of the history of science, particularly biology. Let's suppose that Wallace would have been able to communicate his ideas on natural selection before Darwin did by a tweet or, a, or an email or something like that. Today, we would talk about Wallace's theory of natural selection. Maybe this happened in an alternate universe. Who knows? One could not help but think what Wallace or Darwin would have done in this era of instantaneous communication. That being said, and of course, I am not considering the typical time sinks that plague us, even those of us, myself included, who use them enthusiastically. And if you know me at all, you know that I tweet a lot. <laughs> Would Darwin or Wallace have posted a selfie on Facebook or Twitter or something like that? 
I'd like to think so. Actually, I think most likely. I shuddered at the thought though, and this is coming from someone, yes, me, who took selfies before it was cool, when I used film cameras, meaning that I did not know how the freaking selfie came out until after the film was developed, and my kids will make fun of me because of that, well, but I digress. Actually, I have a treat for you in the blog post when I'm going to announce this podcast episode, I'm going to post a picture of one of my selfies from the late 1980s. <laughs> At any rate, I think of Darwin as a blogger and even podcaster because he certainly and without any doubt whatsoever was keenly interested in sharing his findings with others. He clearly thought of pretty much everyone as his peer and he clearly thought that natural history, the science of his time, was for public consumption. Also, just imagine how much information could Darwin have gotten by googling, and this idea actually makes a lot of sense to me. I found the ideas of Darwin as a blogger and as a googler in a 2009 blog post in which several scholars tried to answer the question, would Darwin blog, and I will of course put the link in the show notes. He's actually an interesting blog post. You know what? Sometimes I think that I would have loved the opportunity to write a comment in a post from Darwin. And I would have loved, geeked out already, gone all fanboy, if he'd replied to said comment from me. <laughs> And also, I am absolutely sure that quite a few trolls would have welcomed the opportunity to comment on Darwin's work in real time. I don't think that Darwin would have liked this though, because he was very well known to be acutely sensitive of what people thought about his theories and his ideas. But this is yet another speculation for some other time. So, I am interested in your opinion. Would Darwin be a podcaster? A blogger? What do you think? I want to finish our time today with one of my favorite passages in my book, Strange Survivors. Please do not think of me as vain. I simply feel very excited and humbled for being able to write for you. As a lifelong bookworm, and I have said so before, it amazes me every time when I realize that I'm on the proverbial other side of a book. So please, enjoy this quote. I wholeheartedly agreed with Darwin's contention that the difference between human and animal intelligence is one of, quote-unquote, degree rather than kind. We'll probably never know whether a chimpanzee, standing by the shore of a peaceful lake, watching the sunset, wonders what the brilliant circle of light slowly descending over the horizon might be and we have even less hope of knowing what a fish in the same lake thinks while noticing the looming darkness. I, for one, am grateful for the opportunity to contemplate and even understand some of nature mysteries. Well, everyone, as always, thank you for listening to me. Please rate and comment about the podcast in your favorite venue. If you wish to contact me, please send me an email to orpagan at yahoo.com, comment in my blog, boldscientist.com, or find me on Twitter, at boldscientist. 
I always like hearing how much you love me, don't get me wrong, but tell me what can I do better, okay? This is Oné, your favorite bold scientist, signing off. I hope to see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>